Hey, this morning, so I'm finishing off the series uh, that we started four weeks ago. And we started a series called Love Transforms Through the Local Church. Now, we know that Love Transforms is the theme for this year for Expression Church. And the key scripture for us is Acts 2.42, which says, Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to prayer, to fellowship, and to breaking of bread. Beautiful scripture. What God is wanting today is disciples that will shine His light. Amen. And so we, we want to really grow into the discipleship, but what transforms lives is the love of God. So we are praying that we will understand and have a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. And I started the series four weeks ago, and we had a plan on how we want to achieve it. But of course, we had the lockdown, so we changed the plans. We changed the topics. It's good to be flexible. Amen. Well, if you're not, well, COVID is teaching you that. So either you're flexible or you're manifesting. Right? So uh, I'm, I want to finish the series today, but I've titled it The Blessings of Being Part of a Local Church. Because our f- focus is on love transforms through local church. Because church is, is, a, is God's plan. God, Jesus, instituted church. In Acts, He instituted church for a plan and a purpose. Amen. And church is, uh, has two facets to it, really. Church has two facets. Number one, God wants church, and He sees church as the bride of Christ. Amen? And um, the church is a living organism. Right? It's a living organism. It's you and I. It's living people. Church is not perfect. Church is a messy place. You know why? Because you're here. <laughs> and I'm here. Church is a messy place. Church is people that are broken. Church is not about perfect people. You know, I've been talking this a lot. You know, my parents taught me how to say hello. You know, the Christian hellos, you know. And even though I'm grumpy, they tell me off while we're going to church. As soon as we enter into the church, joy of the Lord filled us. Hello, auntie. Good morning. You know, and there's all the condition, you know. I mean, we still teach our children that too. It's sad, but, you know, we're teaching them manners. But church is a living organism, but the church is also an organization. You get what I'm saying? I think a lot of times we focus too much on the organization and we forget that church is an organism. It's a living thing. Hello? Peter speaking. It's Dan. I don't want to embarrass him. That's okay. So um, church is a living organism, and we focus on the organization more than the organism. We focus on programs and plans more than the power and prayer. Please, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah? So church is often, I mean, organization, even Jesus taught organization. He, he put structures. When he sent the disciples, he said, Go out two by two and go and preach the gospel. There's a structure to it. But the structure is useless if there is no purpose and there is no plan and there is no revelation of Jesus Christ. And I think today as a church we focus too much on the organization and we forget the organism part. 
I went into a restaurant one day, Cara and I, we took the kids. Most of you know that Leo has severe allergies. And um, we went into this restaurant and the, and the manager, because I had to ask, you know, all this stuff. And I took some uh, chips uh, from another restaurant into this restaurant. And the policy is they can't have chips in their place outside food. So I started to talk to them and the manager was getting grumpy at me. She thought I was typical Indian, quite highly strung, and uh, I am none of those, by the way. Okay? I'm very gentle. No. Uh, <laughs> that's right, lying spirit. Uh, and so she got quite grumpy with me, typical, you know, and, and I said to her, I said, look, he's got severe allergies. Cut the story short. She guaranteed he will have something made specially for him that he can eat. Otherwise, I said, we will leave the restaurant. And anyway, they made some food, and, um, and, and, and they brought it in, and she's still kind of grumpy with me, and I was getting a bit grumpy after a while. And so I said to her, look, uh, lady, because she goes, a policy, a policy, a policy, a policy. And I got tired of a policy, and I reminded her, I said, your policy is useless if you don't have people. You get where I'm coming from? Your policies are useless if you don't have people. People have to come first before policies. What I'm trying to say is people in the church need to come first before we talk about organizations and the programs and all those things. People should come first. For Jesus, people always come first. For us, people should come first. A lot of us, when we serve, we just want to get into the duty mode. We just get on and do duties. It's my duty. Okay. Hey, done the duty. 11.30, get out and go do something else. It's not a duty. It's a privilege and an honor. You're serving your church family. So we focus on the, just like the policies. I don't want this church to have a mentality or a mindset of duty mindset. We don't want duty. We want desire. I don't preach here because I'm the pastor, it's my job. I preach because it's an honor and a privilege to preach the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So that's what I wanted to bring into that story from Leo, that it's actually people come before your policies. So power of God, prayer comes before your programs and your structures. Amen. Thank you. So church is a called out people. The Bible teaches in Matthew 16, 18, church is called out once. We are called into something marvelous. We, ordinary people, being called into extraordinary lifestyle. Ordinary people being called into extraordinary relationship with God and extraordinary relationship with one another. We are not just ordinary people anymore if you know Jesus. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. So you are extraordinary to God and you will do extraordinary things for God when you know God and you will be strong in God. I said this end of last week's message. I said, Daniel, Daniel 11.32, he says, Those who know their God shall be strong. Us Pentecostals, we want great exploits. Great exploits come when you know your God. A lot of churches today, people, churches, not a building, people, churches, people, churches are not strong. They're not strong. Why? Because they don't know God. 
They don't give time to read the word of God. They don't give time to sit in the presence of God, worship Him, read the word. Why? The word of God is boring. No, it's not. It's your life. Amen. So uh, I want to encourage as a church, we are to be strong and then we will carry out great exploits. This is not a social club. We are not a social club. We are a family of God. That's why we do life together. That's why we dedicated children this morning, a child this morning. So when they struggle, then you kind of go, well, it's Nathan and Clara's problem. Let them deal with it. No, you are to pray for them. Why? We are a church family. Are you, are you with me this morning? Are you with me? If you have come here just to show your face, I, I'm sorry. That's not what God wants you to do. You've come here to adore God. You've come here to, to connect with one another. You've come here to encourage and bless one another. You have a role to play. You didn't come here to be entertained. You've come here to be encountered by the power of God. And that only happens if you're hungry for God. Otherwise, you're sitting there and you're nitpicking. It's too cold. It's too bright. It's too loud. It's too hot. You see what I'm saying? Peter went too long. Have pasta for lunch. So we are called out once and we are called to share the goodness of Jesus Christ. We are called, to be honest, the extraordinary people. We are called for a worldwide restoration program. Isn't that cool? You and I can be part of a global program. Why and how is when you pray and when you give, you're also touching lives in Asia through a lovely sister here with Sandra. I think it's a marvelous thing. You with me? Not everyone can go into Asia and serve there, but God called our lovely sister here and she obeyed the call. And what do we do? We pray for her. We pray for the team. Amen. And we also sow into the ministry. Well, how? Financially. Because it multiplies and extends the kingdom of God. You are part of a global mission. Amen. We don't do this to just to feel good. Oh, we're doing a bit of... Oh, it's not about feeling good. It's about transforming lives. Yes. It's a, you and I are part of an organization, part of an organism that is about transforming lives, seeing lives from eternal hell being plugged and transferred into eternal life. Yes. You and I are part of that. Put a smile on your face. Jesus loves you. I pray that you will understand and grasp hold of the power of the church. And the Bible teaches us the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That means the church needs to not retreat, but the church needs to advance. And the church is you. It's not just the pastor that's going crazy. We all need to be crazy for Jesus. We all need to walk in authority of Jesus. God has given us authority. Amen. To trample Luke 10, 19. God has given us authority to trample over snakes and scorpions. Okay. What does that mean? Anything that manifests that's not of God is we have authority over it. Even our own children, when they're manifesting like crazy, yes, we don't know. We pray and find a revelation and begin to instill in them godliness. Godliness. 
So I've got one scripture here. And it's in Ephesians 4, verse 12. And um, this, it talks about uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, you, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the, uh, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceit schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, hallelujah, speaking the truth in, not in condemnation, not in judgment, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is talking about you and I. Now, I don't have the time today to break it apart, but I want to keep it very practical. But I want to base from this scripture and throw a few other scriptures so we get a picture of what church should look like today. But the church, one of the things, the role of the church is equipping saints for ministry. You are a saint of God. If you gave your heart to God, you are a saint in the sight of God. Saint Peter, Saint James, Saint Nelu, but you're a saint. God sees you as a saint. God sees you as a royal priesthood. Amen. I want to, you are not this crummy old dirty sinner. That, that's enough looking at your life like that because you're letting the devil rob you of what God has for you. It's like we drag our feet. It's like, oh, I'm tired. My life is miserable. No, no, no. Capture what God has for you. He wants abundance in your life. And that's not going to happen by buying more things. The abundance comes by you praying and seeking God. Come on, church. Amen. So, so the first thing is equipping the saints for ministry. And, and we talked about the first Sunday. I said there are three roles that the church plays. Number one, the church exists to glorify God. Number two, the church exists is to equip or edify the church. And number three, the church exists to testify. Amen. A lot of us today are scared to talk about Jesus while everyone else is swearing the name of Jesus. I want, I pray that it will shift, not a mind. I don't want to tickle your mind. I pray that you will get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then you can walk in the power and the authority that he has given you. Amen. So I want to give you five practical steps this morning about church and what the church family does and why is it a blessing for me to be part of a local church. Because there are a lot of people who love Jesus, but they're not part of a local church. But the Bible says, Peter, if you love me, feed my people. We have a role to play while we're here on earth. Otherwise, God, God would have saved us and then zapped us and transferred us to heaven. No, He has a plan and a purpose. And He wants you and I to actually work that plan and purpose out. 
So my first point this morning is church family helps me grow in God. Church family helps me grow in God. Now, as an individual, I have a responsibility to have the discipline to read the word for myself. Okay? As an individual, I have a responsibility to learn the word of God and understand the word of God. But also, the Bible teaches us that God put church as a, a place where church gets involved in edifying us. In teaching us. You remember when Philip went to eunuch. Eunuch was reading the Bible. The, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the Bible. Sitting in his chariot. And Philip was transferred over there in the spirit. And Philip goes to this eunuch. He said, hey, what are you reading there? And he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And the eunuch says, how can I know unless someone helps me understand? Amen. So you and I have a role to read the word, but also you and I have a role to teach the word. Amen. So church helps me to grow in God. Church found, number one, it helps me belong to a family. I have my own family. I, have a, I don't have a mother now, but she passed away. But I have a dad, I have a brother, I have a sister, and a few nieces. Okay, no elbows yet, you know, nieces and nephews anyway. Come on, just laugh. Yeah, okay. I was testing whether you're listening. Yeah. And um, so I have my own immediate family. But when I was born again, not just attending church. Anyone can attend church. I'm not talking about attending church. I am talking about born again means laying down your life at Jesus, picking up your cross every day. <laughs> Not the day you gave your heart to God, which was last century. Picking up your cross every day and following Jesus. Every day. Every day, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Every day. And if you can't lay down your life, your will, and surrender before Jesus, guess what? You're going to struggle in your life. So it's picking up the cross and following. So... When I got saved, I have been adopted into church family. And I belong to a church family. When as a teenager gave my heart to God, I didn't even know how to pray. I had the name Peter. I knew how to talk Christian. I know how to behave Christian. But there was no Christ in me. So I got into church and these people adopted me and they started to nurture me in God. They started to teach me the word of God. They started to uh, uh, create a sense of belonging. And also church is a place where it builds my faith by teaching the word of God. Amen. You can't go partying all your life and then attend the church and just kind of clean the sleep in your eyes and carry on your life. No, you belong to the family of God. Amen. So if you are struggling, the family is struggling. That's the New Testament church. Are you with me? If one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers, the Bible says. But we've been conditioned to be so individualistic that we like to box things and go, well, church is an event. Church is not an event. Church is a lifestyle. You are the church. Just in the Adan, sir, church is a social place. It's not a social place. It's a spiritual place. Yeah. 
So it builds my faith by teaching the Word of God. The other thing church does is mentoring. I love the power of the mentoring. They mentored me. As a kid, they mentored me. They, they brought me up and they started to teach the Word of God and uh, help me understand the Word of God. And I think that's what church does. It's about mentoring people. Amen. If you and I come to church just to please ourselves, I tell you what, that church is a dead church. Because it's all about you. But church is supposed to give, not just receive. So mentoring. The other thing is modeling. How to walk in faith. How to minister to people. Life. Minister life to people. That's what church is about. It's not just kind of talk and teach. It's also modeling it. Do you remember Jesus when he was in the storm? He was fast asleep. And then um, the, 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 the disciples are freaking out because they thought they were going to die. Jesus could have got up. Jesus could have got up and said, Now, according to the book of Isaiah, here, this is what it says. You will go, to, if when you die, if you have no faith, you'll go to hell. But if you have faith, you'll go to heaven. Jesus wasn't teaching. He modeled it. He modeled it. And I'm asking you to model that faith a model that teaching that God has given. So Ephesians 4, 12, equip the saints for the work of knowledge so they become philosophers of Christianity. No. It says equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. Are you building the body of Christ? Are you, build, are you part of a body of Christ? And if you're part of a body of Christ, are you building the body of Christ? What does that mean? Are you contributing to the body of Christ? You're not just a spectator, but you are a contributor. You're giving to the body of Christ. That's what we are called to do. No, it doesn't have to be what I do and you do. No, you do what God wants you to do. When I first joined the church, I, had, I, I was a very shy guy. I'm actually quite a shy guy. I don't like talking to new people. That's who I am, but I have to overcome those things. But when I got put in a group of four, they asked me to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I was so embarrassed. I didn't know how to pray. I was afraid. And, um, but they taught me through that. They helped me, nurtured me, and they taught me how to pray. And then I didn't know what I can do in the church. And so they said, hey, look. You know, I said, I want to serve. I want to do something. Why? All I want to do was hang out with these people because they're good people. And they said, oh, why don't you, um, you know, set up the sound desk, do some practical things. I started doing practical things. And as I was doing, progressively, my revelation of God was increasing. And progressively, God's truth was increasing in me. And my life progressively became more and more dedicated to serve Jesus Christ. And I am still on the progression, even today. Number two, church family helps me face life circumstances. Church is involved from birth to burial. Church is involved from christening. We don't believe in christening. We dedicate children. From christening to cremation. We don't cremate too. We Bury people, but I thought they're quite good. From birth to burial, from christening to cremation. Church is involved in our lives. Amen. 
Church helps us to journey through our life's ups and downs. I get that. As I said four weeks ago, I had a surgery. But man, I, I really was blessed. How many people text me and said, we are praying for you. How are you? You know, can we come and visit you? We're praying and they send me scriptures, phone calls. And people visiting. I was like, wow, this is good. This is good. I, I, I'm, I'm, but what I'm trying to say is, I am blessed by your love. Thank you for that. Uh, I had somebody say, I'll take day off to help with your kids. Someone drove the kids to school. Someone cooked some good food. Thank you, Jesus. You know, but oh, it's great. It took a lot of pressure off us. And I thought, that's what church is about. You pray, you seek God, but you also care for people. Church in action. That's what church does. And as a pastor, I was so blessed by that. People taking time and blessing me. And in Galatians chapter 2, and verse, sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, it says, carry each other's burdens, and this way, isn't that good? In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That means go check on other people. Take some time and ask people how they're doing. If they're not well, you, you know, if they start sharing their problems, you, you know, we go, oh, here we go, another problematic person. Um, hey, I got to go see you later. And we carry on. Because we don't have time. Why? We actually have time, but we use our time in a selfish manner. Don't tell me we don't have time. Jesus had 24 hours. You and I have 24 hours. We have time. But we want to use it for us, but not help our family of God. I'm trying to be practical. Please smile or laugh. I've got some water. I can do some sprinkle baptism if you fall asleep. Okay. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not forget. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, who is pleased? So why do you do good for others? To please who? God. Not each other. Yeah, how many of you have heard this? Where you go help somebody. They didn't even say thanks to me. I helped them. I went out of my way to make them some food or baking. You know, chocolate brownie with raspberries in it. Hint, hint. But, you know, but they didn't say thank you. That's rude. I'm never going to do that for them again. Are you with me? Yeah. Or there are some people, they kind of go, they want to remind you subtly that they've done something for you. Am I the only one that faces people like that? <laughs> True? They, they want to subtly remind you to, to kind of remind. You know, remember, remember you know, how we did this. But you see, who do you serve first? Who do you please first? God, why do we serve each other? Not to please you, but we please God. That's why we serve each other. Why do you think people came to visit me when I was sick? Because they're pleasing God and they're also loving me. Thank you for that. And that's what we do. Why do you think people who live in kind of 20, 30 minutes away from this uh, locality who come to this church, come to your house to pray with you, invite you, cook a meal for you and feed you. And all you want to talk about is rugby. I tell you, that's not good enough. They're doing this to care for you so that they can please God. I want to encourage you. Stop being selfish. 
Stop being selfish. Maturity means thinking about other people. Thinking about other people. How are you going? Not kind of going, hi, I had this problem today. My nails broke while I was nail, doing nail polish, you know. Uh, hi, my, my boat broke or my car broke or my scooter broke. I want to put this new chain to my scooter. Don't give me theses about what you want to do. Take interest in other people. We are so self-absorbed that we give a list about what we want to do. Each one of you are in the church because God wants you. There's a plan and a purpose for you. Amen. Amen. It is to please God. And that's why it says, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And we think coming to church and sitting for an hour and a bit on the chair is a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. You're doing yourself a favor by being part of the church. Because it's a, it's a principle from God. It's a promise from God. I am tired. You know, I've worked all week. Guess what? Everyone's working all week. Everyone. Even a five-year-old going to school, it's tiring. You ask Josiah. He'll tell you. Because all of a sudden in school, he has to behave. He can't just jump up and run around. It's tiring. We're all working. Anyway, shall we move on? Number three, church family helps me develop my character. Number one, church family helps me grow in God. Number two, church helps church family helps me face my life circumstances. Number three, church family helps me develop my character. I love that part. I love that because it takes iron sharpens iron. Amen. Don't just be a teacher. Do you know it's easy to judge you than judge myself? It's easy to, to teach than to adjust my own life. And you know, when you ask me a question, how are you, Pastor Peter? You know, we work out these mechanisms to never tell the truth. We are Christians. We are not supposed to tell the truth. We are Christians. We are always supposed to be happy. I think we'll have wrinkles here because we practice it so well. We're Christians. We should all... No, we're Christians. We've got to be vulnerable. We are to be vulnerable. Look at the Bible. Even Jesus cried. I love how Jesus portrayed vulnerability. He is Jesus. If you have a problem, talk to me later. But he's fully man. He's fully God, right? And he's at the, the tomb of um, Lazarus. And Jesus stands there and cries. He cries for a while. But Jesus also knows he's going to wake him up. You know what I'm talking about? He's crying in his humanity, but he's going to perform a miracle in his divinity. Amen. But why did he cry? He cried because he wants to teach us it's okay to be vulnerable. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Today we are not comforted because we are not mourning. I know what we're mourning about. The weather, the traffic, the food, the preacher, the church. That's the wrong mourning. What he wants to mourn about is come bear your burdens with one another. Don't fake it. 
Let's be real about it. That's what church is about. Amen. So it creates accountability. Church keeps us in check. It creates accountability. It keeps us away from distractions, from sin, from worldly pleasures. Accountability is important. Don't say, I want to come to church, but I don't want you to speak into my life. Find somebody that you can do life with. You don't have to air your dirty laundry in front of everybody. No, but go find someone that you are utterly honest to the point. I use the word when I'm talking to individuals. I say emotionally naked. That you're sharing every thought, even those thoughts that you're embarrassed about. You, th- you have to find someone and do life with that person. Let them hold you accountable. Don't say, oh, my wife does that. No, 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 no. Yes, my wife does that, but I have to go find someone else. Because whether I am nasty or good, she loves me. But I need to go find someone else who can tell me the truth because they also love me and they are speaking in my life and we created accountability. Please don't say accountability is only for young people. No, it is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you are 70. It doesn't matter you are 7. Find someone to speak and do life. Pray with them. Is that okay? Accountability is important. I think I'm doing good. Praise God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 18 that he is the porter, we are the clay. Amen. He is the potter. He changes our lives. He transforms our lives to the way he wants to transform. You're basically sitting there like a lump of clay on the wheel and he's spinning you around. Because if God's not spinning you, he can't mold you. It's like Ringa Ringa Roses. You know, life is like that. Life is spinning around and you're going to go, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? But the sons of Issachar know the seasons of God. Amen. First Chronicles 12.32. The sons of Issachar knew the seasons of God. Time to sow. Time to reap. Time to harvest. That's what it is, reap. Time to... One of those times. You know what I'm talking about. Ecclesiastes 3. Amen. So there is a time you need to know, Ooh, I'm in the season of being bashed from every wave. I'm in the season of going through troubles. I'm in the season of this. Instead of questioning, why are you doing this, God? Why are you doing this? I don't like church. Because we always want to find someone and blame them. Right? That's what we do. Do we have to blame someone? I mean, we learned that from Adam and Eve, right? Blame them. I'm blaming them. But we were, instead of going, why are you doing this? Why, why, why? No, we are to understand the season. God, I'm going through this. You know this. It's not news to God, by the way. God is not, oh my goodness, when are you going through that? I did not know that. Because I was listening to someone else's prayer. God's not like that. He's not surprised with our problems. We are surprised with our problems. I hope I'm building your faith this morning. He's not surprised with your problems. But what I'm trying to say is that when you know the season you're in, and it's a season to pull down, and then you go, like Job, naked I come from my mother's womb, naked I return, but I will praise his name. It's a season. So as Christians, do you know the seasons of God? If I ask you, what is God saying? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, maybe. Oh, 
We don't even have confidence to know this is what God is saying to me about my family. This is the journey God's put me right now. And I'm going through hell, but I'm not going to stop because even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. You with me? Come on, someone. Church is vibrant in its pain. Church is vibrant in its weakness. We are made strong. Church is beautiful, not by makeup, not by camera slides action. Church is beautiful to God when it is obedient to Him. Are you with me? Church is beautiful to Jesus when it is praying and loving God and loving each other and walking in unity. All right. The Bible also teaches in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29. It's not on the screen, but it says, it is, my, is, is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? His word is like a hammer. Ooh. You don't use a hammer to, to comfort people. You use a hammer to break things. Amen. The word of God is like hammer because Jeremiah was struggling and God reminded him, my word is like a hammer. Sometimes it's good to obey God's word. Amen. Actually, most all the time. So the kingdom of God has to build. See, for us to build the kingdom, the kingdom needs to be built in us. I remember when I was cleaning toilets as a young fella, cleaning toilets in the church. Now, I grew up in a middle class family in India. We, we, were, we, were, we were doing well. We had a maid. We had, a, you know, we had those kind of things. Till 21, I didn't know where sugar was in the house. So I lived a comfortable life, fairly comfortable life in India. It was good. But when I was a young fellow cleaning the toilets, and I'm th- I was grumpy. And I said, why should I clean the toilets? I don't even touch the toilets at home. Don't even make my own tea. Someone makes it for me. Why should I clean the toilets, Lord? How am I building the kingdom here? It's a good question to ask. When I asked the Lord, why am I cleaning? And I said, how am I, me cleaning the toilets is building the kingdom? God. And God's reply is, you cleaning the toilets is not building the kingdom, but you cleaning the toilets, is build, the kingdom is building in you. The kingdom needs to be built in us before it's built through us. Are you with me? We all want to do great things, but we don't want the kingdom to be built in us. So allow the kingdom to build in you. And the way the kingdom is built in you is through accountability. In Galatians chapter 3, 6 and verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, it says, you who is godly, go and should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same, te- same temptation yourself. If someone falls in sin, don't condemn them, but go help them. 1 Peter 4.8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers multitudes of sin. Amen. Love covers multitudes of sin. Don't hold an account of sin. Forgive people. James 5.16 says, I love this here, confess your sins to each other, not to God. You know, we all like to confess our sins to God. Because it's easier to confess our sins to God than to each other. It's like me going to Mr. Rogel and say, Hey, Dan, I'm sorry. I took offense to what you said. I'm angry at you. And, uh, or I 
spoke to Pam about you behind your back. So I apologize for that because I gossiped against you. Because it's easy to, it's hard to confess with one another. It's easy to confess with God. But it says here, confess your sins to each other and pray, pray, uh, uh, and pray for each other so that what? You may be healed. You may be healed. I want to say unity is not talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars and avoiding the problem. That's not unity. That's you and I avoiding the problem. It's saying, brother or sister, I'm sorry. And let's confess because it brings healing. The earnest prayer of a righteous man or the, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, King James Version says. Amen. Number four, and after that I've got the last one. Number four, it says, church family helps me with decision making. And I want to say, discuss before you decide. And uh, receive counsel, receive advice. That's a big one for church. Uh, in marriage, in dating, in courtship, in moving cities, in, in uh, uh, fi uh, finding jobs, or all those kind of things. Make sure you involve church leadership in that. It's a very important to do that. We've practiced that. We still practice that. When we started going out, as soon as I asked Kara out, she said yes. Then we submitted ourselves to a couple to speak into our lives. We made ourselves accountable. Why? So we don't sin. Are you with me? Yes, we are adults, but that doesn't make any difference to God. Are you a child of God? That's what matters to God. So make yourselves accountable to God in your decision making. And I am blessed. I am so blessed. When I made myself accountable to God and people spoke into my life and Kara's life and our parents met. i got to say, when you do the hard work and do it godly way, God prepares the way for you. And I can stand here and say, I've got no issues with my in-laws. They're small things. <laughs> but they're just small things. They're very small things. You know, why do you leave a fork like that? Those kind of things. They're nothing compared to what we... I am grateful to have a godly parent-in-laws. I am. I, I feel as a blessed man. I had to do my hard work. Submit myself. It's imp I wanna, I'm just giving you examples, but make sure, don't plan by yourself. Submit your plans. The Bible teaches here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. The church leadership is accountable to God. Don't plan and then come and tell them. No, discuss your plan. They're accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Are you with me? Do it with joy, not, do it so with, not with sorrow. This will certainly not be for your benefit. So what I'm trying to say is church leadership is not there to control. It's there to pray for you, to lead you. And I have to say, I can go talk to people and they say, Peter, you're amazing. You're awesome. You go, oh, that thing, that's great. You're like, a, you're going to do this, Peter. It's easy. But I had to go and submit it to the leadership of the church. And I, they said, we're going to pray about this. We're going to walk through this. We're going to hear from God. And we will wait on this. And I, and I said, until I have a blessing, I'm not going to carry out and do what God wants me to do. Why? Yes, I hear from God. But I need them to hear from God too. Amen. Don't ever go to a girl and say, God asked me to marry you. 
Don't go to a girl and say, God told me to marry you. Because if God told you, God will tell her too. Anyway, that's a big topic. <laughs> Don't do God told me's, please. Because it brings confusion. Because we all hear from God. Amen? If you don't hear from God, we can talk on it later. We all hear from God. But just because I heard from God doesn't mean I carry on, do it. I submit. Matthew 28, 20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey few commandments I gave you. It says, obey all commandments. Amen. It's a big one. I'll leave that, but I'm throwing this out to you. Discuss in your connect groups. Last one. Church family helps me fulfill my life mission. Get the worship team, please, Kara. Church family helps me fulfill my life's mission. And my life mission, I'll read this in Philippians chapter 12, verse 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is good for you, good for it is, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. Amen. Amen. This is good message. I took a bit extra time, but it's a good message for us to understand. I found Jesus. I submitted myself to the church and to church leadership. Yes, I'm the pastor, but I submit myself to the church leadership. They are there to protect me. I'm accountable to them. But in doing that, I find my mission and what God has called me to do. In submitting and journeying together, in being faithful in little things, I don't have time to tell you, but I never wanted to go for titles. I don't serve because of a title of a pastor. Never done that. I love Jesus. I want to serve. That's it. Seek God first and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33. So I want to encourage you. You want to know what the purpose in your life is? Start doing life with someone in the church. Start accountability. Put yourself, oh, but I am 50 years old or I am 60 years old or I'm 40 years old. I should have it all together. Let me tell you, none of us has got it together. But together, we got it.